0: Africa Rise and Shine Africa
1: Zorka so Africa Amka Na unai.
2: Good morning and a very warm welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa from an African perspective and we're coming to you live in Johannesburg, South Africa. We're on the frequencies, 7230 kHz on the 41-metre band to Southern Africa and on double one nine two five kHz on the 19-metre band to West Africa as well as DSTV's audio bouquet, Channel 802. I'm Lulu Gabu, in studio with Anne Musa, Tabisolo Hoko and Figile Linguati. In our top stories, an Africa rise and shine at the Sawa. Malawi's president, Peter Mutarika faces corruption allegations, concerns over land ownership in Sudan's Darfur region, and Ethiopian Airlines makes historic flight to Eritrea. In economics news, EU warns states to step up preparations for no-deal Brexit scenario. And in sports news, South Africa prepares for AFCON qualifier against Malawi. But first up, the news with Anne Moussa.
3: A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Moussa. And opposition leader in Equatorial Guinea has called for the government to resign over its failure to release political prisoners, a promise made by President Teodoro Obiang Ngema, the General Secretary of the country's second-largest opposition party, the Convergence for Social Democracy. Andre Esono-Ondo says the government is unable to implement and respect the law and should thus resign. Obiang issued a decree granting what he described as total amnesty on the of this month in a bid to smooth the way for a national dialogue between political leaders in the country. The leading opposition, the Citizens for Innovation Party, also says none of its jailed members have been freed. Former South African President Jacob Zuma says those who are labeling the late former President Nelson Mandela a sellout are preventing South Africa from developing into a state of complete freedom and peace. Zuma was speaking at Mandela's centenary birthday celebrations in Umvezo in the country's Eastern Cape Province on Wednesday. President Sonal Ramaphosa has also criticized those who have called Madiba a sellout. Zuma says Mandela fought to liberate the country.
4: Madiba
0: never sold out. Madiba fought for this country to liberate it.
4: He sacrificed the longest serving political prisoner. What people are doing is a failure to take South Africa forward. And they want to blame the man who brought freedom. Some will
0: liberate the country, but others have to develop the country. Madiba liberated the country.
3: South Africa's Energy Minister Jeff Khadebe says the best way South Africans can honour the legacy of the former President Nelson Mandela is by refraining from, ac- uh, from activities that destroy public resources.
4: For every problem that arises, find people banning public buildings when in fact those public buildings have to be paid by the taxpayers themselves. So it is important, therefore, that people should not only look at government to do all the things that we require in South Africa. You and I, as ordinary citizens, we need to have our active citizenry in order to ensure that we put our shoulders to the wheel in building the South Africa that Mandela fought for and died for.
3: The death toll in Nigeria's northwestern state of Kitsina has risen to 52, where floods caused by heavy rain since last weekend wreaked havoc. At least 24 people were injured and hospitalized due to the incident that affected five villages in the Jabia area of Kitsina. Head of the State Emergency Management Agency, Amino Waziri, says they recovered 52 bodies from the five villages and are still searching for 20 missing people. More than 500 houses were destroyed. Destroyed by the flood, causing the displacement of at least 5,000 people. And finally, Human Rights Watch has criticised Moroccan authorities after a journalist was sentenced to three years in prison for failing to report a security threat. The court case focused on phone calls Hamid Al-Madawi had received from a Moroccan anti-monarchist who said he intended to smuggle weapons into the country to carry out attacks. The BBC's Wal Ross has more.
5: El-Madawi's defence was that, as a well-known journalist, he often received calls from strangers and had dismissed this one as an empty threat. Human Rights Watch says the Moroccan authorities are sending a chilling message to independent journalists at a time when the space for critical reporting and commentary is being radically reduced.
3: And that's the news headlines at 8.30 Central African Time.
5: Africa, rise and
0: shine. Africa. Africa,
1: Let us all unite
6: and This
7: is indeed a joyous night. We are delighted by the overwhelming support for the african National Congress. For the people of South Africa and the world, this is indeed a joyous night for the human spirit. Your help and a party.
8: This year, 2018, marks 100 years since the birth of South Africa's first democratically elected president, Nelson Rolihlahla Mandela. Join Channel Africa, South Africa's international public service radio station, as we celebrate a centenary of the life and times of Madiba. Join us in a year-long broadcast campaign in honor of Nelson Mandela's legacy through a variety of informative radio programs. Channel Africa celebrating a hundred years of Nelson Mandela from an African perspective. Let us
6: make Africa the
2: The US government has launched an inquiry into a million dollar cashgate scandal involving Malawi's president Pita Mutarika. The president is alleged to have pocketed about $205,000 from Malawi Police Service food ration supplier Pioneer Investments. The money was allegedly deposited into his ruling Democratic Progressive Party account where he is the sole signatory, George Manguhasmo from Blantyre.
4: The U.S. government and the European Union, who are major donors, have since teamed up in calling for two things, which are President Peter Mtarga's resignation or to have the money refunded to government's account number one. The U.S. and European Union think the money is enough to procure drugs for at least three health facilities in rural areas where medical supplies are a challenge. Already 68 human rights organizations in Malawi under a grouping of the Human Rights Conservative Committee, also want the president to repay the money or resign. Activists through Joseph Kajolweka on Wednesday issued an ultimatum for the president to pay back the money within two days or risk protests. The ultimatum has been backed also by youth and society organization through reeds attorneys at law.
9: The DPP and President Metalika now being in a very clear awareness that what they benefited from are believed to be proceeds of fraud. It is only wise and fair that they pay back the money to the people of Malawi. It is money meant for construction of classrooms so that we can save our, our children. It is money meant for construction of roads It is money meant for procurement of better teaching and learning resources in our schools. It is not money for campaign. It is not money for DPP. It is money for the people of Malawi.
4: President Peter Mtarika, who has denied any wrongdoing in the transaction, saying it was a donation to the party, is out to Zambia on a commissar summit mission, which ends Thursday this week. But the Anti-Corruption Bureau, ACB Director Renek Matemba, confirmed it was probing the contract over police food but declined to give further details. But some youths think the names of the president and the DBP can only be cleared after the graft-busting body scrutinizes the bank statements and other documents clearly. One such youth is Christopher Banda. The party must retain the money because we have been talking about corruption and even the DBP-led government has been preaching about uh, combating corruption. How come such huge sum, uh, such huge amount of money was paid into the party's account. We, as the youth, we are very angry and we want the party to return the money. We don't want anything but to return the money because that will be that will be the only way for the party or the government to show that it is serious against corruption. We want the money to be paid back as the youth in this country we will see what to do because there are so many ways of expressing our anger. Uh, other than just making such calls. We can mobilize ourselves, we can go on the streets until the government adheres to our calls. The human rights activists have since asked the European Union Parliament and the U.S. government to impose sanctions on Malawi government over deteriorating levels of governance. They say they want the international community to intervene and have President Peter Mtarga's foreign bank accounts frozen until the anti-corruption bureau concludes investigations into the scam activist kajoloweka again
9: so we are demanding the refund of the 145 million that dpp benefited through a bank account in which president mtadika is the sole signatory secondly is that we have also demanded from pioneer investment to refund that money back to the people of malawi because that money was fraudulently gotten through a dubious contract at police. But government
4: spokesperson Nicholas Dausi said the S C B should be allowed to independently conclude the investigations. This is not the first time for international donors to condemn abuse of public funds in Malawi. The first time was during the former president Joyce Banda, when close to $200 million was siphoned from public coffers at Capitol Hill a development that led to the suspension of $150 million from the then common approach to budgetary support caps a grouping of donors George Mhango China Africa Blantyre
2: Ethiopian Airlines has resumed flights to Eritrea after 20 years direct air connection between the two countries was blocked after the two countries fought in 1998
10: and broke off diplomatic ties. Koleta Wanjohi reports from Addis Ababa. The former Prime Minister of Ethiopia Haile Mariam de was among the first passengers on the inaugural direct flight from Addis Ababa to Asmara, a route that had been blocked following a two-decade tension between the two countries. The initial plan was to have only one inaugural flight. However, as demand for tickets rose, a second flight was added. Many Eritreans are returning home to reunite with family and friends after many years. Araya Desta is the Eritrean ambassador to Ethiopia.
11: As we all know, the two family
1: members were totally cut off for more than 20 years. The
12: obstacles that hindered and separated the two peoples is now
13: over.
10: Ethiopian Airlines Chief Executive Officer Tewalde Gebremariam Mariam says that the airline is considering increasing the number of daily flights from one to three depending on demand.
12: The connectivity, uh, as I said before, with Europe, U- U.S., Canada, South America, Middle East and Asia is designed in such a way that passengers, uh, Eritrean travellers and tourists visiting Eritrea will arrive here in Addis early in the morning around 7 o'clock from all over the world and they will be connecting to Asmara in a couple of hours with a departure of
13: 9 and 10.
10: Many Eritreans live in Ethiopia, while some remained when Eritrea seceded from Ethiopia in 1993. Others were separated with their families during the 1998 war. Others are here as refugees, having fled their country for various reasons. Ethiopians who watched the first flight saw this as a peace dividend. We enjoy so many happiness before. We lack that
4: happiness. That is why today we gain that happiness and we gain brotherly,
10: sisterly. We can go to Eritrea, Eritrea come to Ethiopia. And can, it is so amazing. The peace along with this integration will create uh, an increase or a plus in political and socio-economical activities. The Ethiopian government has also announced that five bus routes will open from Addis Ababa to destinations in Eritrea. These inaugural flights are a symbol of diplomatic ties between Ethiopia and Eritrea, a relationship that leaders from both countries have promised to not only keep but strengthen with time. Kolei Tuanjohi, SABC News, in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia.
2: A two-day dialogue between the Communist Party of China and some 40 political parties and organizations from nearly 40 African countries ended yesterday in Tanzania's commercial capital, Dar es Salaam, Political parties from both China and Africa were urged to be the promoter and practitioner of China-Africa cooperation by Song Tao, who heads the international department of the Central Committee of the CPC. Gabriel Zakaria reports from Dar es Salaam.
14: During the closing remarks from Sang Tao, head of the International Department of the Central Committee of CPC, told the leaders from 40 socialism-learning parties across the African continent that his party CPC stands ready to work together with African political parties to promote the building of a community with a shared future for China and Africa.
2: Political parties in China and Africa are the ones that make the policies and the ones that implement the policies. Therefore, it is very important for leaders of political parties to come together and have exchanges so that they can better perform as the leadership of the development of their respective countries so that they can provide good leadership to economic growth and also they come together for exchanges and enhance mutual understanding and also contribute to the building of a community with a shared future for China and Africa.
14: (laughs) Tanzanian's President John Magufuli, who hosted a two-day dialogue, have urged his colleagues to keep their to people centered development saying african leaders at the cpc have to benefit from each other economically in order to realize the african dreams that have not been yet realized Other leaders from Africa who made their contributions during the meeting have said there are many areas where China can enhance partnership with Africa, mainly in science and technology, increasing investment in Africa, especially in agriculture, industry and mining, and increasing China's imports from Africa, such as coffee, tea and cotton. Dr. Benadachiula is a senior lecturer at the Institute of Diplomacy and International Relations based in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, who shares the light about the dialogue.
1: this is an example of the party which has embraced all democratic principles, and to to system to be the host of all these political parties. It means that you know, they have, they have seen that you know, the system is a mother party where we can learn. We can learn a lot the way Tanzania has done you know, to embrace all tribes, all religions. All colors, we also mean Indians, Arabs, and Africans. And then remember, it was Tanzania that opened the world for the Chinese. It was the malignyere who fought for the recognition of China at the United Nations, to have a seat at the United Nations Security Council. So now, Chinese China now has become a military power, an economic powerhouse, uh, and now I think they take the role to come back and they say, OK, we want to pay back...
14: President John Magufuli of Tanzania said that choosing Africa and Tanzania as the venue of the overseas debate of the CPC in dialogue with the world political parties high-level meeting shows that the CPC values Africa and signifies the profound friendship between Tanzania and China. Dr. Achiula again. Economic
1: diplomacy means we need more investments, we need more trade, we need more tourists, we need more financial aid and they will need more loans. So, you know, by emphasizing economic diplomacy, President Magufuli knows that, you know, the only country in the world which can be ready to work with us without any restrictions is China. It has shown that, that for many years that now they are ready to work with us in, in, in a partnership, win-win situation. Formerly, you know, the Western world came to us with their preconditions, we should do this, we should do this, and then, but at the end of the day, we've seen that after 50 years, we have gone nowhere. So I think the Chinese are real in essence, they want to work with the Africans, that's why we say we need them more here in Africa to work together with them for, for the betterment,
14: Meanwhile President John Magufuli said that choosing Africa and Tanzania as the venue of the overseas debate of the CPC in dialogue with the world political parties high level meeting shows that the CPC values Africa and signifies the profound friendship between Tanzania and China. The CPC in dialogue with the world political parties held its first high-level meeting in Beijing in 2017 when more than 300 leaders of political parties and organizations from around the world gathered for deliberation on the building of a community with a shared future for mankind and a better world. Reporting for Channel Africa in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, this is Gabriel Zakaria.
2: It's 8 20 Central African time, and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa on this Thursday, July the 19th, the 200th day of 2018, with exactly 165 days left in the year. Now, for feedback and questions relating to our show, tweet us at Channel Africa One or at Rise Shine Africa. You can also email us at info at channelafrica.org or send a WhatsApp message on 277. Now let's go back in time to today in 1993, US President Bill Clinton announced a policy allowing homosexuals to serve in the military under a compromise dubbed Don't Ask, Don't Tell, Don't Pursue. Today in History, 1993. Land ownership remains a major source of intercommunal strife in Sudan's Darfur region. That's according to Pierre-Emmanuel obali Chief of the Governance and Community Stabilization Section of the UN and African Union Operation in Darfur. obali says those dispossessed of their land should be entitled to restitution. He spoke to UN Radio's Seto Budi.
12: The situation in East Darfur is quite complex. With regard to the land issue, it can be categorized in three areas. There is a conflict over farming land between returnees and new settlers or occupiers. And obviously one of the most challenging tasks is that some of the IDPs who left their land after the conflict erupted in 2003, their land was given to new settlers. And obviously this makes it difficult for those who are willing to return and there are many who are really ready to return. Then another area is persistent conflict between farmers and the nomadic pastoralists caused by competition over grazing land and farming land and also there's uh, the non-demarcation of migratory routes so this sometimes uh, creates competition over pasture and water leading to inter-communal conflict and then lastly there's conflict over natural resources such as oil this has been characterized with regard to the conflict between the Malia and the Resigate. At re- Addressing the issue is a major challenge
1: for both native administration and local
12: authorities. What has UNAMIT done to help solve the problem? We did a lot on the ground. We spoke to the dean of the faculty of law. We also spoke to experts of the high courts and together we discussed on a strategy to assist IDPs and those who are willing to return in finding solutions to resolve their land ownership. And the land rights, restitution rights that was adopted by the East uh, Darfur Legislative Parliament is uh, a way forward. We have organized a series of workshops with the support of the judiciary and the legislative assembly and other local authorities and have been highly attended and they have generated some positive results. Can you tell us about the governments of Sudan's land restitution policy in support of internally displaced persons? This policy is part of an existent Sudan land policy. However, it has never been reinforced. So it has been in effect since uh, January 2018 and uh, it will remain in effect until January 2019. It has also been endorsed by uh, the High Court in Khartoum after it was uh, adopted by the East Darfur Legislative Parliament. So I think this is the right step into finding durable solutions for the IDPs.
1: You mentioned earlier about workshops that your section has organized in East Darfur in support of the implementation of the government of Sudan-led land restitution policy. What are the outcomes of the workshops?
12: Interestingly, the workshop brought together diverse groups, including academics, customary leaders, judiciary, religious women's rights, and youth groups. The workshops provided a set of recommendations, including a proposal to revise the existing policies on land ownership. Also, the continued dissemination of information on land policy restitution. And this GSS has played a very important role in reaching out to the remote communities and informing them. Harmonization of traditional and customary law, inclusion of women's rights into traditional laws also with the importance of sensitizing the Native Administration women's right to land ownership. According to the recent report from your section,
1: Government of Sudan found that land restitution policy is the best way to resolve root causes of conflicts in Darfur. But the IDP say that the government lacks a
12: political will to adequately support their return. What's your comment? Of course, sometimes these kind of issues are clouded by politics, but there are are stakeholders who are really seriously looking into resolving this issue. That's why we have been working in close collaboration with the Dean of the Faculty of Law, uh, the High Court of East Darfur, and these are reliable partners that are really committed to finding a solution. Obviously, the government also needs to play its role, and I think if the role is played effectively, also other partners will come in. What's the role of Darfur women to the campaign of land rights? First of all, I think Darfur women need to realise that if they want their rights upheld, they need to participate in the process to demand for reforms. There's been a good participation of women in the workshops, but not as much as we would have liked to see. So I think in the long term, women need to realise that they have a role to play if they want things to go change in their best interest. What's your section's future plan to address the issue of land grab in Darfur? One very important contribution that we have made, we have uh, helped the University of East Darfur to establish a statistics centre that collects uh, data on farming and grazing lands, and natural resources and also engages with local communities. It's going to create a database that will enable IDPs and people also who are willing to return to know who owns the land, where land is located. In the long term, this will be a significant contribution. We're also working with the Voluntary Return Committee, the HSC, the Government and the Native Administration and Judiciary to provide secure tenure for the IDPs, returnees and women. And obviously we'll continue providing also as we have been doing, with human rights and rule of law pro bono legal counsel to the IDPs because some IDPs are not aware about this land restitution bill. So by providing free legal counsel, this really plays a major role. And also we plan to continue encouraging the government to address land issues in a comprehensive way, such as the development of a mechanism for resolving disputes over land ownership and also coming up with a strategic program in this regard. ISDAFU really is leading by example in terms of addressing the land issues and land conflict. This is a quite innovative approach and we hope that if this uh, exercise yields expected results, we can work on applicating the same example in uh, other states.
2: That's Pierre Emmanuel Obali-Joro, Chief of the Governance and Community Stabilization Section of the UN and African Union Operation Interfor, speaking to Set Your Booty in UNAMID Radio. Let's go back in time to today in 1997, Liberian rebel leader Charles Taylor ascended to presidential power in a peaceful election following a seven-year civil war launched from neighbouring Ivory Coast in 1989. He secured more than 70% of votes. Today in History, 1997. South Africans are being called upon to speak against the degeneration of Madiba's values of non-racialism and selflessness. President Cyril Ramaphosa addressed the centenary celebration of the former statesman at his home village of Mvezo in the Eastern Cape Province. The event also received messages of support from Presidents Khalima Mutlante and Jacob Zuma, among others. Ndeba Mokobo has more.
13: South Africa, Africa, and the world have celebrated the global icon former President Nelson Mandela. In his home village of Mveso, current and former president spoke one after the other to pay tribute to the founding father of South Africa's democracy. In his address, President Cyril Ramaphosa described Madiba as a prisoner of his own conviction and a man who was steadfast on his principle.
7: As we analyze his life, we realize that Madiba's life was essentially driven by principle, not by slogan or cheap actions. He was a prisoner of his own conviction. He selflessly continued his work despite the risks that accompanied this call that he had responded to. He sacrificed his career as a lawyer. He sacrificed his freedom. He defiantly asserted the moral superiority of the ideals of freedom, justice, and equality. So we honor Nelson Mandela. There is no one like Nelson Mandela.
13: The president said that he lived to see the day Madiba would have been disappointed at the levels of racism that have come to characterize the country. Nelson
7: Mandela was loyal and true to the non-racial character and the politics of the ANC. He would certainly have been concerned by what appears to be the resurgence of racism and ethno-nationalism, both in our country and elsewhere in the world. Where he is, as he looks at our country... And sees incidents of racism I know for a fact that Madiba is deeply concerned about those incidents we are called upon to stand up and speak out when the values for which Madiba lived and for which so many fought for are being denigrated by those who have no interest in progress in our
13: country he has also joined his predecessor president Jacob Zuma in condemning those who often say Madiba was a sellout In the recent past, some in the ANC, including some prominent opposition leaders, suggested that Madiba sold out on the revolution. But President Ramaphosa said the former statesman has done a lot to liberate the country from the bondages of apartheid. He said Madiba only wanted the best for his people and his country.
7: I want to stress what former President Jacob Zuma said, underlined, Madiba did not sell out. Madiba was a forward-looking leader of our nation who always wanted the best for the people of South Africa. What he created was a platform for us to take the struggle forward. Those who are saying Madiba was a sellout are armchair revolutionaries who are just sitting on chairs and contemplating the sun. Madiba was a true blue-blooded revolutionary and that is how we must remember him.
13: Meanwhile the International Mandela Day was also celebrated at the United Nations headquarters in New York I am Tebu Mokobi in Johannesburg.
2: Our headlines up next with Ann Musa.
3: A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musan. The headlines, at least 30 people have been killed during raids on villages in northwest Nigeria in the latest deadly attacks by cattle rustling and kidnapping gangs in the rest of region. Israel's parliament adopts a new law defining the country as the nation state for Jewish people. And former South African President Jacob Zuma says those who are labeling the late former President Nelson Mandela a sellout are preventing South Africa from developing into a state of complete freedom and peace. Those are the stories making headlines.
7: I, Nelson Hollithas of Mandela, do hereby serve to be faithful to the Republic of South Africa.
10: He was not a ruler, like just telling people what to do. He didn't rule us, he led us.
1: His role as president in the process of nation building was exemplary and wonderful.
14: You could disagree with him he would disagree with you you could even be quite testy with each other and yet it wouldn't affect the overall relationship of your own cooperation or friendship
4: nelson mandela a
14: giant
12: of two centuries
2: He stands today as a beacon of universal values, peace and forgiveness and is recognized as one of the greatest leaders of our time. So says the United Nations Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, whom along with actor and UN envoy Forrest Whitaker headlined the official commemoration of Nelson Mandela International Day at the United Nations in New York. The UN's Postal Administration also unveiled a new Mandela post stamp to mark the centenary of his birth. and Bryce Peace reports.
15: A new addition to the UN's collection of Mandela stamps, with an inscription roughly translated from French, it's very easy to break and destroy, but the heroes are those who make peace and build. Listen to the Secretary General, Antonio Guterres.
14: I was fortunate to meet him several times and I will never forget my first meeting in Johannesburg even before he was elected President, I was tremendously impressed by his vision, his wisdom, his determination and his compassion. Very few people in history have captured the imagination of the world as he did. Even fewer have been able to provide such inspiration. And he stands today as a beacon for universal values, peace, forgiveness, humility, integrity, patience, respect, and service.
15: Actor and activist Forrest Whitaker called Madiba a true model of humanity and an example of the political leadership needed today.
11: As we celebrate the centennial anniversary of Mandela, he urges us also to have courage, the courage to hope, the courage to resist and to learn about ourselves and others. This is of course a message to our leaders. The world is growingly interdependent and interlinked and interconnected. The challenges of humanity cannot be solved in isolation, be it poverty, be it gender inequality, be it climate change, be it conflict. Yet many leaders seem to cling to the old notion that politics is just a local situation, but it's precisely that kind of thinking that we must do away with if humanity is to stand a chance.
15: Whitaker is also UNESCO's special envoy for peace and reconciliation and drew attention to Madiba's emphasis on education as a true and sustainable weapon of change.
11: Mandela's idea is that when there is a difficult problem to address, you need to educate people not to pander to their anger or to their fears. This is what he did when he advocated a path for nonviolence. Many people rejected it at first. Many of his own companions. But he persisted. He persisted because he had a chance. He had, a choice. he had chosen a path that was empowering for the masses. This is the leadership that we need today.
15: Environment Minister Edna Molewa, who spoke for the government, pointed to the life of a legendary statesman that embodied the values at the core of the UN mission.
8: Nelson Mandela believed that all of us, no matter who we are, can make a difference. He believed that every man, every woman, every child should take responsibility to change the world for the better. It is befitting a tribute to this exemplary life that in South Africa, we are leading and right now running a campaign that's led by the president in particular. It's called Tuma Mina which translated into English, it means, send me. It is a campaign that encourages all South Africans to stand up and say, we want to be part of this bright common future, and we are prepared to do our part.
15: Arguing that Tata Madiba's qualities of humility, forgiveness, and compassion, those of tolerance, dialogue, and reconciliation, are what is sorely needed in the world today i'm sherman bryce in new york
2: celebrations to mark nelson mandela centenary haven't only been taking place here in south africa in brussels belgium a string of events are being used to mark the momentous occasion our europe correspondent jack power has more
5: he's small but mighty the mannequin piss is the symbol of the belgian capital brussels and to mark the centenary of the birth of nelson mandela He's dressed as Madiba himself. Nicholas Edelman is the official dresser of the Mannequin Piss statue. The
1: Mannequin is a very important symbol in Brussels.
5: The bells of the Brussels Cathedral ringing out the South African national anthem and a number of other songs memorable to those who struggled against the apartheid regime. And the bells here are being joined by cathedrals and churches up and down the country, in Belgian cities like Antwerp, Bruges and Ghent, as well as in many other smaller towns. Nelson Mandela visited Brussels on a number of occasions throughout his life and was strongly supported by the European Parliament during his time in prison. He became the first ever winner of the EU's Sakharov Prize for Freedom of Thought in 1988, which he only collected in 1990 after his release. The centenary is being used here to reaffirm Mandela's principles. Basso Sankou is the South African ambassador to the European Union and to Belgium.
4: More than being reminded it is the day where we must recommit ourselves to do everything on a daily basis in our lives professionally and otherwise to live through his legacy uh, towards reconciliation towards peace towards justice
5: for all uh, to fight poverty and for the tourists visiting brussels the dressed up statue has been a chance to reflect on mandela's influence Constantine is from Austria.
8: He wasn't afraid of anything. He, he said what he was thinking and it had a very important impact for the world.
5: The sun is illuminating the Mandela celebrations, but Belgium hasn't forgotten to mark Albertina Sisulu's centenary also. An additional statue of the mannequin pis also appearing dressed as the anti-apartheid activist. Jack Parrick, SABC News, Brussels.
2: Former U.S. President Barack Obama has outlined various ways in which the youth in Africa can become involved in politics and leadership. Obama was speaking during an engagement with young people in Haniju in Johannesburg at the Young Leadership Academy. This as South Africa celebrates the late former President Nelson Mandela's centenary birthday. Mba Lisi Banyun reports.
16: While engaging with young people who are part of the Young Leadership Academy in Haniju, Johannesburg, former U.S. President Barack Obama suggested that young people should research which sector of governance they would prefer to get involved in in creating
17: positive change. So you can't avoid government and you can't avoid politics. And and then the question becomes, all right, how do I want to engage it? Do I want to run for office? Some people have the personality and the inclination to do that. Some people don't. You know, they may not want to be the public face of something. Other people will say, okay, I don't want to run, but I think I can help organize and manage the efforts of people who I think are sincere and have integrity. And so they'll be involved in the political world, but in a different way. Some people may say, I don't want to be involved at all in campaigning, but I do want to mobilize people to vote and participate. Some people may be journalists, and they say, my job is to hold politicians accountable and make sure that we're shining a light on how public monies are being spent and how decisions are being made. All that is contributing to the quality of government. And so you don't have an excuse to say, this is too corrupt and I'm going to be selling my soul. Find a way where you're not selling your soul.
16: Obama also warned those in attendance of Africa's trend of charismatic leaders and how often they disappoint their people.
17: Africa, like a lot of places, has a history of charismatic leaders around which everybody rallies, but not as effective about creating collective organizations and collective leadership. And the problem with charismatic leaders is, A, if they end up not turning out as wonderful as you'd like, uh, things can be worse if they're charismatic and they consolidate power and then they uh, do whatever they want. Problem number two is, if they die, now suddenly all the energy that's been built dissipates problem number 3 is governance is not the same as getting elected and a lot of times somebody who's a charismatic leader may not know how to set up effective schools or properly administer a budget and so so the goal of of politics is not just getting elected the goal is governing in a way that improves people's lives, and that requires a collective, that requires a team with people of different expertise.
16: The former U.S. President further told the youngins that there needs to be more women empowerment across the continent, which could lead to better policy making.
17: Women in particular, by the way, I want you to get more involved, because because Uh, men have men have been getting on my nerves lately i mean i i just uh every day i read the newspaper and i just think like brothers what's wrong with you guys i mean what's wrong with us all right i mean we're we're violent we're bullying we you know just not handling our business um so so i think uh empowering more women on the continent that ought to, right away is gonna I think lead to some better policies,
16: Obama further told the young people in honeydew that they can use innovation in their communities by tackling various problems, but they need to pinpoint exactly what it is and how they can change the current system
17: on education how do we the, the, the thing we want to do is we want to make sure that young people who may not have access to uh, enough teachers so I, I was mentioning in, in my father 's village you 've got one teacher for Every 78 children.
2: That's former U.S. President Barack Obama ending that report by Mbali Sibanyoni in Johannesburg. Our economics update up next with Tabi Solohoku.
18: Good morning. Ghana's economy will be up to 40% bigger than previously calculated when the West African country completes an overhaul of its economic output data in September. The major commodity exporter is recalculating its gross domestic product GDP based on measurements from 2013 instead of 2016 to more accurately reflect recent activity in the petroleum, communication, technology and construction sectors according to estimates by the international monetary fund for 2017 ghana's 47 billion u.s dollar economy ranks 11th in africa after tanzania the european commission is urging countries across the european union to step up preparations for the possibility that britain could leave the union with no departure agreement in place the commission says any failure of the negotiations with the UK could have a significant effect on governments, businesses and travellers. The United Kingdom is due to leave the EU on the 29th of March next year. The BBC's catcher Adler reports.
15: The European Commission is publishing a paper instructing EU governments to do more to prepare for the possibility of a no-deal Brexit, which it says would have a considerable impact on European businesses and citizens. The paper, which has been worked on for several months, warns, amongst other things, of the potential impact on EU borders with goods and people from the UK subject to customs checks, the aviation industry potentially disrupted with airline and passenger rights agreements between the UK and the rest of the EU no longer valid, personal data transfers to the UK subject to limitations and the City of London no longer having passporting rights.
18: Nigeria's upper house of parliament will investigate anomalies in the renewal of oil leases by the Ministry of Petroleum. Nigeria is Africa's biggest crude oil producer and oil sales make up around two-thirds of government revenue. Oil companies must periodically renew their oil block licenses to continue extraction or exploration. Oil prices have extended gains from previous session buoyed by official data which showed that U.S. inventories of gasoline, diesel and heating oil unexpectedly fell last week. Brent crude futures have risen 8 American cents, 0.1% to $72.98. They climbed 1% after Wednesday and uh, following the release of official production and stockpile data which also showed surprise that it had built in U.S. crude futures. Consumer goods market Unilever has reported lower-than-expected second-quarter sales on Thursday, hurt by Brazilian transport strike and weak pricing. The Anglo-Dutch maker of Ben & Jerry's ice cream, Dove soap and Hellman's mayonnaise says underlying sales rose 1.9%, excluding the recently divested spreads business Analysts on average were expecting growth of 2.2%. The US dollar trades at 11.1011 11, Botswana Pula. It's at nine ninety eight in Zambia. In Brics currencies, as the U.S. dollar is trading at three eighty three Brazilian real, at sixty two ninety Russian ruble, and at sixty eight thirty Indian rupee, six seventy four Chinese yuan, and thirteen twenty eight to the South African rand, seventy six pence to the British pound, eighty five cents to the euro. Gold 1224 dollars. A platinum eight twelve dollars per ounce. The price of Brent crude oil is at seventy one dollars eighty three cents a barrel.
2: Figure Lolingwati up next with our sports update.
0: In this hour, beginning with football news, the resumption of Nigeria's domestic league has been postponed indefinitely amid a leadership crisis currently rocking the country's football. Chris Giwa, founder of the rival faction in the Nigerian Football Federation, the NFF, armed with a court ruling from 2014, is now claiming to control the governing body. His accession comes despite serving a ban imposed by Football's World's governing body FIFA, who recognized Amu Jupinik as NFF president. Domestic football was due to resume on the 18th of July after taking a break while the World Cup took place. In cricket news, Protea's spinner Tabraiz Shamsi is back in Sri Lanka and is available for selection for the second test in Colombo on Friday. A 28-year-old flew back home to South Africa after the first test due to family reasons and at the time it was not known when or not he will return to Protea's camp. But cricket South Africa CSA confirmed that the wrist spinner was with the squad in Sri Lanka and that he is in line to be picked for the second and the final test. South Africa lost the first test by a massive 278 runs in Galle, with Shemzi recording figures of 3 for 91 and 1 for 37 in what was just his second test for the Proteas. And in boxing news, Britain's Anthony Joshua says he intends to cement his boxing legacy and hopes to compete in the heavyweight division until he's 40. A 28-year-old will defend his WBA, Super IBF and WBO heavyweight titles against Russia Alexander Povetkin at Wembley on the 22nd of September. Joshua takes on his WBA mandatory challenger, Povetkin, as he returns to Wembley for the first time since his victory over Vladimir Klitschko in front of 90,000 fans in April 2017.
5: And as I said, this is a, a new chapter. I think I've got 10 years left in boxing, and I want to really cement my legacy. You really believe that, 10 years? Yeah, because I think now science, information, and people have done it, foreman bernard hopkins and my last well my friend now klitschko went on to to 40. may have ever done it so i, I believe i can as well
0: american fighter jarel miller gate crushed a promotional news conference for joshua and povetkin in new york in the u.s squaring up to the brighton on stage but before any other potential fights joshua must first defeat povetkin the 38-year-old Russian has an impressive record, but has been a subject of controversy after failing two doping tests, testing positive for banned substance, meldonium, in 2016.
5: I don't respect all fighters, no. I don't respect all humans either. Everyone has different views and different ways of doing things. Some ways I like, some ways I don't agree with. And um, just yesterday, the approach one of the fighters took was a, a way that I didn't agree with. So um, we addressed it, and uh, and that was it really but we'll see each other again he'll be over here for the dylan white park of white and we'll see if he runs his mouth again
0: mark Cavendish's hope of beating eddie max record of 34 stage wins on the tour de france were put on hold yesterday when the british sprinter was sensationally eliminated from the tour de france cavendish of the dimension data team only just managed to stay in the 105th edition of the race after struggling to make the time cut at 10th stage from Annecy to Le Grand Bonnard. But having struggled to make an impact in the 105th edition, the second of three days in the French Alps proved a step too far for the style of Man sprinter who amassed an impressive 30-stage wins in 10 previous participations. Along with Australian teammate Mark Renshaw, and German splinter Marcel Kettle of Team Katusha. Cavendish finished well outside the time limit set by the race jury. Kettle and Renshaw both finished just under 45 minutes behind stage winner Geran Thomas of Team Sky, but still failed to make the cut. That's the sport news this hour. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zola, Africa Amka
1: na Una.
2: Recapping our top stories in Africa, Rise and Shine is the Sawa, Malawi's president, Peter Mutarika, faces corruption allegations, concerns over land ownership in Sudan's Darfur region and Ethiopian Airlines makes historic flight to Eritrea. That wraps up Africa, Rise and Shine today. For myself, Lulu Kabu, producers Pumutora Magaza, technical producer Mario Edwards and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us. For comments about our show, send us an email at info Tweet us at Rise Shine Africa or WhatsApp on 277-6300-3327. Now, taking us to the top of the hour for the news on the frequency 7230 kilohertz on the 41 meter band to southern Africa is Vicky Sampson with the song titled African Dream.